0: Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show.
1: None of this is about supporting life. What this is about is controlling women's bodies and controlling people who are not cisgender men. This is about Making sure that someone like me, as a woman, or any menstruating person in this country, cannot make decisions over their own body.
2: I'm sorry, did I say congresswoman? I meant congress-menstruating
0: person, because apparently we're no longer allowed to say women. Wow. That was AOC in the first clip there.
1: And Candace Owens commenting on it. So, AOC making the argument that people that are pro-life, they don't care about the unborn. What they want to do is control women. What are well, you not talking women, about? Menstruating persons. Sorry, menstruating persons. Yeah. Well, so the menstruating persons thing got the headline. And right. It got my attention. I hadn't even, like, listened to the context, which is just moronic. That is not what pro-life people, like, get to the point, emotional point of crying about. It's not because they want to control women's bodies. It's because they believe there's a baby in there. You idiot. You're an idiot well, if they, you believe Well, they that. can't. They can't address that argument, though. What are you going to say?
0: Well, the gal gets a say and the baby's got to die. What are you going to say? That's a good point. So they they make it about something else.
1: That's a decent point right there.
0: Well, and listen, I'm, I'm where most Americans are. I, You know, I understand that a forced or forbidden medical procedure by the government is a pretty loathsome thing, and so if a woman in the early days of the pregnancy wants to end it, I don't like it at all. I'm extremely uncomfortable with it, but I understand that where society is, that that's going to be permitted. But once the child has taken shape and form and senses pain and the rest of it, no, sorry, it's not about controlling women. Ask me how well I control women. Not very well. Never had. Never had any luck at the game this, what an idiotic thing to say sorry
1: go ahead. this just in senator Rand paul says dr fauci should spend five years in prison so you now have a u.s senator saying dr fauci should go to prison for five years
0: well that's uh bold by the senator i uh, i think first don't we have a trial or something <laughs>
1: <laughs> He's already announced the sentence. Don't we have a trial or something? I think that ups the any. Oh, you want to up the any? Well, you're not only wrong, but you're way out of line. Um, that's going to up the any for the next time they face off, because before it was just, you're a liar, no, you're a liar. But now it's a senator wants to send you to prison. That would get my attention. Wow. Wow. I hope that doesn't enrage Rand's crazy French neighbor.
0: That's <laughs> There's a bad history there. <laughs>
1: Oh, my, my Oh, and also, we're trying to look into what Joe Rogan said on his podcast, because apparently he blasted CNN today for their coverage of ivermectin. That whole thing. Jeez, what the hell? But more on that later this hour.
0: Yeah, this is so interesting. I came across this in the Atlantic, which means it's 50,000 words long, longer than the Bible. Um, <laughs> the title is The Plan to Stop Every Respiratory Virus at Once every respiratory virus, colds, flus, etc. And I'm going to lead up to the point of it <clears throat> uh, because I, I found it really interesting. I hope you do, too. Uh, this was written by da, 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 Sarah Zhang. When London vanquished cholera in the 19th century, it took not a vaccine nor a drug, but a sewage system. The city's drinking water was intermingling with human waste. Oh, oh boy. got <laughs> What's all this sad? <laughs> it's a uh, sickener. It's poo, governor. Um, my wife is a person who, wherever we go, she will announce her opinion of the water huh. uh, from coming from the tap and is very sensitive of taste and doesn't like a lot of water and will go straight to the bottled water. I grew up drinking out of a hose. I don't give a damn. Um, I'd rather but, there's not feces in it. <laughs> I was just going to say... Rarely do we visit a place where the water is intermingled with sewage. (laughs) Uh, Did you order your water chunky style? Ew. Um, Anyway, so again, when London vanished cholera, it was through a sewage system. The city's drinking water was intermingling with human waste, yuck, spreading bacteria in one deadly outbreak after another. A new comprehensive network of sewers separated the two. London never again experienced a major cholera outbreak after 1866. (laughs)
1: So and the all... <laughs> so the brilliance <laughs> the brilliance of the late nineteenth century was let's have a different pipe for our drinking water than the crap. Okay, yes, <laughs> that's a good. Th- yes. Whoever came up with that should win some sort of prize. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hello,
2: it's hello. It's crap.
0: It's crap. <laughs> yeah. So uh, anyway, uh, but I will remind you, it was incredibly late in the game was at the early 20th century where Joseph Lister, I think it was figured out that surgeons would go straight from a bowel surgery to delivering a child and they would have the fecal matter on their hands. And that's why so many women died of infections after childbirth. So the understanding of germ theory was early, was in its infancy. But the article goes on to say all that was needed to you know, prevent the cholera outbreaks, it was three hundred and eighteen million bricks, twenty-three million cubic feet of concrete, and a major reengineering of the urban landscape. The nineteenth and twentieth century saw a number of ambitious public health efforts like this. The United States eliminated yellow fever and malaria, for example, with a combination of pesticides, wide-scale landscape management, and window screens. That kept mosquitoes out one hmm. by one the diseases that people accepted as inevitable facts of life dysentery typhoid typhus to name a few more became unacceptable in the developing world but after all this success after all we've done to prevent the spread of disease through water and insects we seem to be over we seem to have overlooked something we overlooked air long story short Well, she goes, you know what? This is so good. I got to read it to you. This turned out to have devastating consequences for the beginning of the coronavirus pandemic. The original dogma, you remember, was that the novel coronavirus spread like the flu through droplets that quickly fell out of the air. We didn't need ventilation or masks. We needed to wash our hands all the time and disinfect everything we touched. But a year and a half of evidence has made it clear that the tiny virus laden particles indeed linger in the air, of poorly ventilated areas. Outdoors is safer than in. A single infected person can super spread in an unventilated area. If we're to live with this coronavirus forever, as seems very likely, some scientists are now pushing us to reimagine building ventilation and to clean up indoor air. We don't drink contaminated water. Why do we tolerate breathing contaminated air?
1: This is pretty interesting. I wasn't expecting it to uh, like change my mind on anything, but yeah, that makes some good sense. Yeah, we now understand disease so much better and how it travels through the air,
0: just like it traveled through the crappy, poopy, pee-filled drinking water
1: of London. It's that obvious. Wow, you think someday people will look back and laugh at yeah, and they would just circulate the air. So anybody who had a flu or a cold, they just sucked that air out of their office and sent it over to the other office. Can you believe that? Right,
0: and people might mutter at the sick person being in the office, but nobody did anything about it. And this article, again, it's the Atlantic, so it's long. It goes into the science of the, the, the droplets and how they circulate, they uh, they stay in the air, how much you breathe in a single hour, how much air is exchanged by people over and over and over again. And And again, the long story short is we need to have serious... Investments in ventilation uh, systems. And with the UV rays and the HEPA filters and the rest of it, it's the modern SOAR. I thought that was pretty compelling. Yeah. Now, I'm sure the Biden administration will announce that they're going to spend $30 trillion on it. And most of that will just go to cronies and be wasteful and way more expensive than if it was done efficiently by the private sector. But it's worth thinking about.
1: My only... Hesitation on that idea is uh, we don't know what the way the human body works well enough to know what diseases we need to get on a regular basis to stay healthy. I mean, we can't we can't purify our lives we've, or we've found out that that's a net negative. Right. It's a great point. Yeah. That whole idea that kids that grow up on farms uh, have better immune systems that kids grow up in the city because they're around more dirt and goo and various things like that. Um, yeah. So I don't know. That's the only caveat I have to that discussion, yeah,
0: societies where kids you know live like on a dirt floor and then the goat comes into the house and poos and the rest of it. a little like your house actually um but the the uh you're the only person I've ever known who has an indoor goat anyway uh but those societies where the kids grow up like that allergies
1: are unknown, so so this got a lot of attention yesterday we're going to play some of it for you coming back um. The first host of Blue's Clues addressed his grown viewers 20 years after his abrupt departure from the show Blue's Clues. And we'll play some of that for you. It had people crying all across America yesterday. That's on the way.
0: The Armstrong and Getty Show.
2: Come on in. What did you say? A clue, a clue. You see a clue? We see a clue. Another blues, blues day, hooray! Do you wanna play? Blues, Clues. Count to three. One, two, three. clap your
1: hands. Oh boy, I'm not. I'm not gonna be able to make it through this segment. So if you either grew up with it yourself, like Alex in the newsroom, you said you grew up like watching Blue's Clues yourself, right? Yes, I did. Yeah, so you're of the generation that actually was a kid when it was brand new. My kids grew up with it in reruns. I mean, we got the DVDs and watched them all the time.
0: Yeah, my kids were watching it when it was on the air, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, the 90s through the very early 2000s when Steve was the host.
1: And... uh Alex, you shared with me yesterday, you have some uh, people on the autism spectrum in your orbit that um, really benefited from the show, you felt? Uh, Yeah, I have two brothers with autism, and so they've watched it for an extended amount of time, and I've seen probably every episode that Steve has ever done, so he's just been a part of my life for however many years. Yeah, the New York Times talks about how it started with Blue's Clues and it's ended with families and student loan debt. For people roughly Alex's age, they are the kids that grew up with Blue's Clues, I so it touched those people, and then also parents. If you if your your kids were little, and it brings you back to when they're that age. It's just anyway. So Steve Burns, the original host of Blues Clues, the, I think the reason Blues Clues worked was just his very unique personality and approach to that. I mean, it was that was not a um, uh, what do they call it when they get a bunch of people together in a room and ask them questions. Oh, uh, a, uh,
0: right! A, a focus group.
1: That was not a focus gr- focused group to TV show or host. Um, yeah, his his manner was so interesting, so laid back, so calm, yeah. so so opposite of every other kid show that exists. Anyway, he, he 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 was huge, and Blue's Clues was huge, and I don't know how much money he made off of it. I haven't seen that anywhere. I know he was in a a punk band, and he was trying to make a go of it as as, as an artist in New York City. And he saw um, they were doing auditions for this kid show, and he thought, why the hell not? And he went and tried it, and they liked him, and that's how he ended up on Blue's Clues, kind of just random. But then he abruptly quit. And uh, my kids remember when it transitioned over to Joe. Joe was fine, but it wasn't the same. Joe was fine. Wasn't the same as Steve. Steve. Uh, Steve. He quit to go to college, by the way. Yeah, and that's what he said on the show. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, And uh, Steve came out yesterday, 20 years later, with uh, a couple-minute statement that had uh, adults of all ages crying yesterday. So, let's take a listen. Hi.
2: You got a second? Okay. You remember how when we were younger we used to um run around and hang out with blue and find clues and talk to mr salt freak out about the mail and do all the fun stuff and then one day i was like oh hey guess what big news i'm leaving uh this is my brother joe he's your new best friend and then i got on a bus and i left and we didn't see each other for like a really long time can we just talk about that Because I, I realized that, that that was kind of abrupt. Um, I just kind of got up and went to college. And uh, that was really challenging, by the way, but great. Because I got to use my mind and take a step at a time. And now I literally am doing many of the things that I wanted to do. And then look at you. And look at all you have done. And all you have accomplished in all that time. And it just it's just so amazing right I mean we started out with clues and now it's what student loans and um jobs and families and some of it has been kind of hard you know I know you know and I wanted to tell you that I I really couldn't have done all of that without your help and in fact All the help that you helped me with when we were younger is still helping me today, right now. And that's super cool. I guess I just wanted to say that after all these years, I never forgot you. Ever. And I'm super glad we're still friends. Thanks for listening. You look great, by the way. Whatever it is you're doing, it's working.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So I'm a little confused. He's still... He, he seems to recognize that his audience is now in their 20s or 30s, hmm. but still talking to them like they're four years old. I like just still doing him. Still doing because him. He was, he, was, he was the host of Blues Club. So you don't want him sitting in a chair with a cigarette and a glass of bourbon.
0: We started with Clues, now it's effing college loans. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. That's, that it wouldn't have made everybody cry if he'd done that. It was our buddy Steve back. You know, a simple expression of affection and gratitude is such a such an odd beast these days. It's it stands out. It got people's uh, attention. Twenty million people watched that in the first twenty four hours it was up.
1: Oh, really? Yeah, I don't doubt it. I'm going to play it for my kids today. Yeah. Hey. It looks like the mail's come. Let's go see what we got. It was so not SpongeBob SquarePants just in terms of the the franticness, the energy and everything like that. That's one of the things I liked about it. Having my kids sit there and watch that at that pace and everything like that, I really enjoyed. Well, and it was so clearly what kids need. I wonder, that's I, nice. I, I don't think that's, that's sweet. You don't run into sweet that much lately. Yeah, I don't think that's been explored enough. The fact that it was quiet and sweet and not snarky, and with no mean spiritedness. There's a there's an uh, article in the Atlantic or New Yorker today about Nate Bargatze, this comedian that I love, the nicest comedian in the world, and his stuff is all positive, and it's not snarky or this is what's stupid or this is what I hate, and just there's there's a there's a market for that. There's a hunger for that. Well, and. I- I'll point out that Blue's Clues was very Fred Rogers-esque.
0: Yeah. Mr. Rogers-esque. Completely different generation, living in a completely different world, and kids loved it. It's what kids need. And maybe adults. And maybe adults, yeah. I would agree. I would agree. Show meeting. We're going to have a more Blue's Cluesian tone to the show starting next segment.
1: There'll be more little songs and dances that go with each segment.
2: Armstrong (laughs) and Getty.
1: on Twitter. No blue check mark, but some associated with the Taliban are tweeting. One senior Taliban representative with nearly a half million followers.
2: I'm concerned about offensive content on the uh, social media platforms, I would hope that they would act in a responsible way, and we have to call them out on it.
1: Facebook and YouTube consider the Taliban a terrorist organization. They strip the Taliban from their platforms, but not Twitter. Twitter says it's working, quote, to proactively enforce our rules. It's a balance between not lending credibility to the Taliban, but also allowing controversial posts to demonstrate the Taliban's brutality. This reignited the debate about what social media permits on its platforms. Republicans railed against big tech for what they say is censoring of conservatives and banning former President Trump from Twitter. The GOP demands changes. How could you possibly make that argument when you booted Trump off there? Well, you know, there's some value in hearing what they have to say. Hi, is there any value in hearing what the guy who got the second most votes in the history of, of the presidency, what he has to say? Is any value in that? I don't know if big tech could
0: possibly be clown themselves more effectively than they have. They are so terrible at, at content moderation.
1: I didn't want to make this uh, segment about Trump at all, but uh, we were talking earlier how th- there's a decent chance he's going to run. I mean, he's going to Iowa here soon. He's announced. Um, he's lose- he's lost weight. Um, some polling this week showed he'd, he'd at least uh, be neck and neck with Biden, if not beat him, if the election were held today. So he may run and then that, that'll be an interesting challenge for Twitter. You're going to keep the guy most likely to get the nomination off your platform? And maybe to end up president, you're not going to allow him to speak. Okay, that makes sense. It's idiotic. Anyway, uh, uh, I just came across this tweet from somebody who said, we are all so emotionally damaged from the last year that Steve from Blue's Clues was like, I have to address the nation. (laughs) (laughs) I love that.
0: Uh, That's just, a good take. I was oh, just, hey, uh, I'm, I'm sorry. It just uh, it popped into my head. Uh, I realize part of the Steve reaction is nostalgia, which is fine. And I'm not a big fan of nostalgia. Nostalgia used to be so much better than it is now. <laughs> um, one of my favorite stupid jokes. Um, <clears throat> and uh, it, But I think there's much, much more to it. For parents, maybe it's as simple as, you know your kids when they're young and easily contented and hadn't gone through everything they've gone through and all. Uh, but what do you think it means that there was that much of an outpouring for that show and that guy and that manner of entertaining kids? I'd love to hear your thoughts. Mailbag at ArmstrongandGetty dot com. Maybe we'll share some tomorrow, or roughly this time. Mailbag at ArmstrongandGetty dot com.
1: I've got the one of the greatest teases ever in the history of the show. And we might do it on the podcast, which is called One More Thing. And if you don't catch the podcast, go to armstrongandgetty.com. But the ten states where you're most likely to be killed by an animal.
0: (laughs) Uh, I bet I could guess pretty effectively. Take a shot at number one. Oh, You want me to go right for number one? Yeah. Number one state to be killed by an animal. First, got to figure out which animals... The most horrifying donkey attack ever caught on tape. <laughs> Naturally, you got to factor in donkey attacks. <laughs> um, I, I'm going to say... Uh, I'm going to miss something. I almost got to say California just
1: because it's big and has so many beasts. Came in second. Oh. Uh. So, you know, some of it is just the size of the state. Yeah. Right?
0: yeah yeah if it's not per one hundred thousand people yeah. it's meaningless California
1: but. and Texas are always the top the most everything so
0: or the least yeah or whatever w- did they mention which beasts kill the most people that that that's an interesting list well, in what w- order in the United States do you want
1: to do it now or do you want to save it for the podcast uh, uh, oh gemini i don't know
0: i'm kind of an instant gratification guy uh yeah we could do it during the one more thing you ought to download it later today armstrong dot com you know, that's a good story, but it's it's more being mad. I don't want to be mad. Maybe nope. it's Steve from Blues Clues has changed my mood, but I'm <sighs> tired of outrage.
1: Yeah, I wanted to mention this. Um, what is his name? Just flitted out of my head. Baker, who uh, Peter Baker from the New York Times uh, has an article out today. He's still hanging on to Afghanistan as a story because he went to Afghanistan like right at the beginning of his career, right after nine eleven. And so while he's got different duties at the New York Times now, he's still really tied into that whole story. In general, I think people are going to stop paying attention. I think Joe Biden's calculation is right, that nobody's going to think about this at all by the time the next time anybody votes, um, no matter how horrible mm-hmm. it turns out. But anyway, Peter Baker, uh, I'll just read one quote. They took me into a room, tied my hands with a scarf and started beating me with a cable. Uh, And he's talking about a couple of journalists that posted pictures yesterday of their wounds from being tortured by the Taliban in recent days. It's it's not surprising who the Taliban has turned out to be. They're the same Taliban from before. But again, I think people are going to stop paying attention. The vast majority of Americans wanted us to get out. They recognize what is true, that there are lots of hell holes on Earth that we don't pay any attention to and don't try to fix.
0: Yeah, we were just talking off the air about the, uh, the civil war going on in Ethiopia right now, which is unspeakably, horrifically brutal.
1: Yeah, I wasn't going to give the examples that I've got, but there is ethnic cleansing going on there, as bad as anything that's ever happened on planet Earth. And it's getting no attention, and nobody's calling for U.S. troops to go fix the problem. At all. It, it's, you know, so why, why Afghanistan and not Ethiopia? You know, that's a really good point. I hadn't even thought of it in that way because.
0: Ethiopia is not like a super hotbed of terrorism, but my approach to the story was going to be, and, and folks, we're talking, it's easy to say ethnic cleansing. This is genocide. And generally, they torture you before they kill you. They're chopping off people's limbs. Widespread rape, killing of children. I mean, slave camps. It, it is the most harrowing and horrific thing I've heard about since probably Rwanda. Ugh. And it's going on in Ethiopia right now in a massive scale. Alright? Unthinkable stuff. And it's all based on on tribal politics. It's all based on are you in the right tribe that held power? Or are you in the, the, the tribe that didn't have power and were being put down by that previous tribe and now they're slaughtering each other like pigs in the street? And that's where tribal politics leads. And there's a segment of America that is trying as hard as they can to get everybody to think in terms of tribe, not in terms of individuals and character and the rest of it, but just color, ethnicity or tribe. And I mean, if you study history at all, it's so obvious. It's like somebody coming into a room and advocating putting out a fire with gasoline. You think, good Lord, that's so incredibly misguided. How could anybody possibly have that opinion? Because you've seen where it's led over and over and over again. And yet, there is a a big facet of American society and American politics right now that is trying as hard as they can and teaching in every damn school and university in America that the way to deal with fire is gasoline. And it's horrifying.
1: And corporations, did you see the stuff that leaked out of the Google training yesterday? Um, They were uh, quoting uh, Mr. Kendi, who wrote the anti-racist book, at Google and teaching all the Google employees, this is what they uh, they told them, and this stuff leaked out as people were doing screenshots of, you know, and uh, of the, the the paperwork they are giving and the projector and all that sort of stuff. For me, the heartbeat of racism is denial, and the sound of that denial is, "I'm not a racist." Kendi told Google employees, "It's a critically important step for Americans to no longer be in denial about their own racism." He stated that denial of racism is proof that a person is racist likewise witches yep (laughs) how do you deal with that nonsense and of course it's a way to say that everybody's you know every white person's a racist and then another video for google employees guest lecturer nicole hannah jones of the uh much discussed 1619 project much of which has been retracted secretly by the new york times even though it won a pulitzer prize um She said the 1619 Project verified her lifelong theory that everything in the modern-day United States can be traced back to slavery. If you name anything in America, I can relate it back to slavery. And she was uh, speaking to Google employees. So it's six
0: degrees of Simon Legree instead of Kevin Bacon, or what? It's an obscure literary reference, forgive me. But uh, six degrees of... The slaver? Please, anybody could do that. So what a charlatan!
1: So Google employees were told, if you say you're not a racist, that's proof you're a racist, and the more you say you're not a racist, the more racist you are. And everything and why you're being taught this at Google, I have no idea. Everything is uh, is a result of slavery.
0: Right. Okay. So if I deny I'm a racist, I'm a racist. Clearly, if I admit to being a racist, I'm a racist. So kind of a okay. no
1: win game. Put me on everything the old duckings. Woke turns to <laughs>
0: Yes it does sir. Put me on the old ducking stool. It's time for the witch trial.
1: But the brilliant people at Google and I assume they are brilliant thought that was worth showing to their gazillion employees.
0: Intelligence and wisdom are two completely separate measures
1: as we were discussing. Things are so crazy right now. Yeah buddy. Will they ever get uncrazy or will we come apart? What do you bet on? What if you had to bet on it right now? Do we get back to we do we get away from crazy or do we come apart?
2: hmm maybe
0: i don't want to say uh i would say i, I think some of it will be corrected because it will be become self-evidently uh idiotic um i think some of it's here to stay sorry really unsatisfying
1: answer i'd say <laughs> do you know anything about talk radio uh, apparently not <laughs> you gotta say something strong and declarative I don't want to be eaten by an animal. <laughs> oh, I might. I think we're going to do that for the podcast for one. Oh, minute that's second. right. That's right. That's right. I'm sorry. I want I'm to sorry. rejoin the ridiculous coverage of ivermectin uh, yes. when we come back. It's just what the hell is the media doing around it's this? It's stupid idiots eating up horse paste, Jack. It's simple. Stay tuned.
2: Armstrong and Getty.
0: strong and getty
2: show there are a lot
1: of leaders in a lot of states uh, we talked about southern states yesterday uh, that have stepped out and told people stop being crazy yeah, um, and and they're still going to the the feed stores and getting uh you know, ivermectin can you believe like Come joe on. rogan hey like yeah he's eating he, he eating eating uh dewormers for why cows would he do that?
2: yeah he, and, joe, joe rogan who Contracted COVID,
1: recovered from COVID, and attributed mm. his recovery to ivermectin. Oh come on! Which is the Did he really de- do that? Yeah, he was talking about that on his podcast. Wait, 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 wait a second. He he said that he got better because he ate he said he he said he's been taking ivermectin. Yes,
2: so he attributed and part of his recovery right. to, to to that to that drug really? or whatever it is. Yeah.
1: So, Joe Rogan, that was Morning Joe on MSNBC, and uh, Joe Rogan is uh, one of the most listened to podcasts in the world, and he spoke a little bit today about the coverage on CNN, similar sort of tude toward him taking ivermectin. Do I have to sue CNN? They're making shit up. They keep saying I'm taking horse dewormer. I literally got it from a doctor. It's an American company. Mm-hmm. It's a, it, They won the Nobel Prize in 2015 for use in human beings. Yeah. And uh, CNN is saying I'm taking horse dewormer. Yeah, what? So well, they must that's, know that the, that's a lie. Well, there's a lot of people saying it, <laughs> <laughs> right? But a lot of people can say it. Okay, like yeah. the internet says it. Who
2: cares? Sure, but, but CNN not is not saying it. Saying it. They tr-
1: try to make it seem as if like uh, I'm doing some wacky sh- that's completely ineffective. And right? CNN was saying that I'm a distributor of misinformation. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Unbelievable. So it's a drug that people use all around the world and have for years to deal with a variety of things. And there's some belief that it helps with the covid thing. In fact, I've got a doctor friend who said there are preliminary studies that he believes that ivermectin is uh, is uh, a potent treatment. But whether it works or not, it is a human drug that human beings have been taking all around the world, millions and millions and millions of people. I've used this drug. It's a common it's thing. If you saved if, many, many lives. If you wikipedia did it, if you did anything, you'd learn about this. But you got numb nuts like Joe Scarborough and CNN people just buying the rumor. I guess that it's a it's a horse medicine, and dumb Trump voters are going to their vet to get horse medicine. That's not what's happening. All right. So I'm more concerned about media than I am about anything else. Uh, that's what Matt Taibbi was writing about on his Substack that we read from yesterday. Is where are we with media now? Did they, they just have no interest at all in trying to figure out what's real and what's not?
0: Well, it's like we were talking about yesterday. It's like tribal clickbaiting. As long as it fires up your side, the truth doesn't matter. Mostly because your side will never hear the truth anyway. They'll just uh, you you pull the people listening to that horrific, idiotic segment of Morning Joe. Pull them in 20 years. They'll still think it was true that stupid Trump voters were, you know, guzzling down cow paste or whatever they call it. So
1: Joe Rogan himself came on his own show and said, I have COVID and said, I'm taking ivermectin. My doctor prescribed it. Here's what it's used for. They think it can work on. And somehow the story became, as you heard on MSNBC, and Joe Rogan said he's taken the horse dewormer. Oh, he did. Unbelievable. So what? what is the point of even having national conversations about topics? It's it, there's there's no, We live in a post-truth world. There's just no such thing as an, even a, an attempt to figure out what's happening.
0: Yeah, I know. It's amazing. By the way, in case you're wondering, ivermectin had some promising early results against the virus in uh, smaller and observational studies. Still hasn't aced a major trial, um, but there, uh, there are several going on right now. But it's not... It is not- Idiots wolfing down horse dewormer.
1: And it's not clearly lunacy to give it a whirl. No, of um, course now, not. There there's, are major trials going on. Now, there's some belief, and I, I don't know about this part, that um, the government was hesitant to approve any other drugs because part of the whole emergency use thing is you have to uh, you have to be in a situation where there are no alternatives. You can't have an emergency use drug like Ah. the Moderna, the Pfizer, if there are other alternatives. So they can't allow anything to be an alternative or it would blow up the whole emergency use then. Well, we didn't
0: have uh, time for known lunatic Alex Jones' take on ivermectin. Too bad.
1: Known lunatic.
0: Final thoughts with Armstrong Getty. I
1: I don't know what that is, but it's somewhat amusing. Here's your host for final thoughts, Joe Getty. How about a
0: final thought from everybody on the crew? Wouldn't that be delightful? Let's begin with Michelangelo, our technical director. Michael. Hi there. I'm Michael. It's been 20 years since we've talked. You're the audience of that week in religious program that I ran. I've never forgotten you. I'm in a better place, and I hope you are too. <laughs> nice. Well done. Young
1: Alex, the Blues Clues fan in
0: the crew, is uh, with us for a final thought. Alex?
1: You know, I have a buddy who works on Broadway, and he knows the current host of Blue's Clues. And he says he's a nice guy, and I hope he is for the kid's sake. But nothing can hold a stick to those Steve episodes. No, it's all about Steve. Well, and I just got an email that Blue's
0: Clues is now fully woke. So one more thing has been ruined. Uh, Jack, a final thought for
1: us? <laughs> you know what woke means? It means you're a loser. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's hilarious. Blue's Clues has been ruined by wokeness. I might have to tune in just to see what it's all about now. Funny. Uh, My final thought? Was that your final thought? It might
0: as well be. All right. My final thought is my dog is now afraid to go downstairs. And so I'll occasionally get a text from my wife that uh, the dog is stuck upstairs. What should I do? And uh, at one point she dragged him down the stairs, which is probably not great. But I I think I've come up with a solution. But... uh, I need a dog psychologist. I think These are words I never thought I would speak.
1: <laughs> you need to get one of those chairs that takes you up and down the stairs. You're going to need it soon enough anyway, so you might as well sure. get one for the dog. I have a neurotic dog. So, do you have any idea why? Is it? Is it like it hurts his legs, or does he think somebody's down there? Or? No, no, I
0: think it's that uh, it's hardwood and they're slippery. Oh, so, okay. I've been forced to, like, purchase... Chair, or I'm sorry, not chair, uh, uh, step D slippery Pfizer's uh, at the cost of $10 per, and it's rather a long staircase.
1: Joe needs a dog therapist, so go ahead and email us. Armstrong. Amateur theory is more than welcome. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four hour workday. So many people to thank.
0: Go to ArmstrongandGetty.com. Download the podcast to see if you ever miss a segment or an hour. ArmstrongandGetty.com. Get yourself some swag while you're there. Email us mailbag at ArmstrongandGetty.com.
1: Nobody wants horseworms anyway, so that might be an upside to that. See you tomorrow. God bless America.
0: Pack up your U-Haul, say goodbye. Yeah,
2: hold up, everybody. I'm talking over
1: here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, was just, I was wondering, you know, what you felt about that. That is the climax of foolishness. Hi-ya.
2: It's a little too much donkey dog. That's the fact, Jack. <laughs> it's rather preposterous, isn't it? And we'll be back with more right after these words. I guess I just wanted to say that after all these years <laughs> my first
1: oh my god i just said the word on that high note thank
2: you all very much armstrong and getty